Well, morning, everybody. Glad everyone is here. Welcome everybody listening online. Glad you can join us here as well. Uh, we're going to be starting a new series today. It's going to go over the next four weeks. I'm calling this Social Faith. Uh, and it's really about navigating our faith and our friendships. But it's not just about navigating online. It's also navigating offline. Uh, because what we found is we have this culture that is online. Our society is online. Everybody is plugged in. Everybody is connected. And even if you don't think you are, you are because you're dealing with people that are connected all the time. And something is going to just kind of bleed through on that in such a way. You, you may not realize this, but you watch the news. And have you noticed like in the last decade that this news cycle is no longer like things that would happen, you know, three, four days to develop. There truly is not just a 24 hour news cycle anymore because you're not even just getting like the nightly news. No, you have news stations that are running 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And even when they're doing an hourly program, you've got this thing called Twitter and there are news reporters that have up to the minute breaking news for you. This is the world that we live in. Information is right at our fingertips. And even if we're not connected into that, we have people that are. I'm on Facebook, but I don't really engage on Facebook that much. I briefly scan through once a day, and honestly, if I'm, if I'm just being completely honest, the one thing I actually look forward to seeing on Facebook is the memories of what I did like 10 years ago on Facebook when I actually enjoyed Facebook a whole lot more. And other than that, when things pop up, I rely on my wife who is connected in on Facebook to then let me know, hey, did you see this person's post? Did you see that person's post? Did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? Because I'm just not in it as much. And so even when I'm not connected in that, she's still connected in that. And so I'm connected by proxy, I guess you could say. However, I still struggle so much with social media. I, I struggle with what I say and what I post. I've got this video podcast that I do with a pastor from Texas. And Thursday, <clears throat> I opened mouth, inserted foot, tried to play it off like it didn't happen. And it has been bugging me ever since. And I could go back through and I could edit out the thing that really annoyed me. And I probably will this afternoon because it just keeps bugging me. But this is something that I have said here in church, in context, and you guys understand, and it works because I know who the audience is. I mean, essentially, I was talking about like when we're sharing our faith, you know, I'm not going to force anybody to believe in Christ. I'm not going to force anybody. God gives them free will, and there's a consequence for their decision. So if they don't want to believe in God, well, they can just go to hell. And I've said that in this setting many times. And I've never had an issue with it. And I just said it right now and I still don't have an issue with it. 
But all of a sudden, I'm sitting at my computer and I'm live streaming and I said that exact same thing and I instantly got a check in my spirit. I instantly knew I had said something that I shouldn't have said and I didn't know why. I've said it before. Why is it not okay now, God? But it was okay then. I didn't have this. And even right now, it's okay now. I don't get that same check in my spirit. Others can. I really don't care. But I don't. But I, I started to remember, I have a lot of people that watch me online, that their hearts are already kind of soft. Like, I can say that type of a statement to a Christian, and they're going to think it's a little humorous. Sad, but a little humorous. And if I say it to an atheist, they're going to get all bent out of shape about it, and I really don't care if they get all bent out of shape, because the fact of the matter is, we all know where they're going even if they don't. But what about those that they're not quite sure and they're on the fence and they like, you know, I've had some issues with churches and, and other Christians who have said hurtful, mean things, off-colored comments that just rub me the wrong way and here I am saying that exact same thing. And it dawned on me, I wasn't aware of the audience I was actually speaking to. Now, the majority of the audience for that podcast are Christians and even a lot of other pastors. But this was just one of those that I don't know exactly who all's listening to that. And even this message is going to go out there, and I don't know who all's going to listen to it, but I really don't care at the same time. I don't have that same check as I did with that. And it's just, it was something that I had to deal with and I had to struggle with. And I started thinking, wait, I'm, I'm usually pretty good about thinking before I say things and thinking before I post things. And I just didn't think about that. Like even what I just said, I thought about saying that here. And when I've said it in the past, I've thought about saying it. Should I say that? Are people going to get offended by that? Do I really care if they get offended by that? Should I care if they get offended by that? And I've always come to the conclusion that in this setting... If any of you guys get upset by that, good. Because that means you probably need your feathers ruffled just a little bit with that. Because you didn't think about that. And, and other people, even atheists, agnostics, if they get upset about that, why? Because I told you that if you don't believe in Christ, you're going to hell? All I'm doing is quoting the Bible because that's what it says. But when I'm that forceful and that harsh with somebody who's already softening up to the idea, but then I just drop a blunt statement like that, it can be abrasive to them. And that I didn't think about. See, it reminds me of something that Jesus said, and, and I want you to see this. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Because Jesus had a lot to say about the words we speak and, and how they affect us and even how we have to give account to them. You see, social media and our online connections will also influence our offline connections. And it has had this great influence on the world, both positively and negatively. I mean, we talk about like the, the information. I mean, you want to talk about the information age. No, it's now. It's now. It is at your fingertips. And that is positive. But at the same time, there's so much information that now we don't know what's true and we don't know what's false. And then it becomes negative. 
The internet and these social sites that we use, they, they can make it so easy for us to communicate with one another and, and to connect with distant relatives and, and friends, to share our ideas, to share our thoughts through like blog posts, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, to share pictures and to connect with people. There's so much good that can come from that, but there's so much bad that can come from that. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 Jesus says, I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. Verse 37 says, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. By your words. <laughs> not, not just the intentional words, but even the idle words. Even the ones that you just threw out there without even thinking about. Even the ones that you've thought about in the past, but you didn't think about in the present. Even those words. Even the idle words of phrases that were culturally acceptable 20 and 30 years ago, but now are no longer culturally acceptable because they're offensive. They're derogatory. They're hurtful. They're harmful. Even those words... We have to give account. See, we may forget some of the things that we've said in the past, but God doesn't. He knows every single word we've ever said. And unfortunately, it's the same way with the internet. The internet never forgets. You know, now we can take screenshots. Now we can repost something that somebody had. And even on computers, when you think you've deleted it, well, we have a way of restoring files. And that's not even to mention the vulnerability that our technology has from being hacked. Things that you don't want people to gain access to, and guess what? If they try hard enough, they can gain access to it. See, these words that we put out there, I mean, even some of the things that we will say in like a private message, a direct message to somebody thinking, well, nobody's ever going to see that. And the next thing we know, we left our phone out on the counter and it was unlocked and somebody walked by and, were you talking about me? Or we don't realize sometimes that you can just say, the name of your phone or your personal assistant and all of a sudden, you know what? She hears you and she turns on the microphone and she starts recording what you've said. And if you happen to talk to or about somebody, you never know because Siri or your Google Assistant might just call them without you knowing. I have known people that have done this accidentally, accidentally, just be talking about somebody and their phone dialed them, but it was sitting on a counter and the person on the other line heard everything that was said. It's one of those things that often when I'm getting ready to talk about somebody, I set my phone out and make sure it's not recording. No, I'm 
Okay, so I kind of do, but I kind of don't, you know. It's usually I, I, I think about that and then I'm like, wait, if I have to bring that out, I probably shouldn't be talking about them in the first place. But we're aware of like these devices that can track and remember what we say, but it's like we're unaware that God is always listening. He's always listening. He hears everything we say. Are those words that we're saying harming or are they building up? Are they encouraging? Are they building up? Are they tearing down? Because long after we've erased them, it's still there. Long after we have deleted it, God still knows. And Jesus says, you're going to have to give account for that. You're going to have to balance that out. You're going to have to weigh and measure that. Why did you say that? Well, I, I thought it, so I had to say it. <laughs> Do you really think that excuse is going to fly with him? No. And see, unfortunately, one of the negative things that we see with social media, because it's this age where it's just everything is right here, it's right now, we've got to have it, we have to respond to everything right now, and your right now may not be right. You may think, I need to address this right now. Mm, you know what? You might not need to address this right now. You might need to wait. You might need to pray. You might need to think. And you may not need to say anything at all. Because I am very involved on social media, anything that happens inside Christianity or an American culture, I have people sending me messages. Pastor Josh, what do you think about this? Haven't given it much thought. Well, why not? Because I don't want to. <laughs> And some stuff I do. And oftentimes people ask me, what do you think about this? I haven't thought that much about it yet. I don't have a good answer. Here are my initial thoughts. And even those, it's like I'm tiptoeing around, walking on eggshells, because I realize that my initial response oftentimes is not coming from a biblical place. It's coming from the thing that I'm closest to, which are my thoughts and my flesh. And so I need to think. Uh, we've talked about James many times. And remember James, the pastor in Jerusalem, he actually said what we should do. In James 1.19, he says that every man should be swift to hear and slow to speak. We need to do more listening and less talking. When we do more listening and less talking, if we're slow to speak, we'll be slow to get angry. And unfortunately, the internet and this social media age that we live in has created this impatience in people that we have to have it now. How dare you prime delivery from Amazon delay my package to three days when you guaranteed it in two? How dare you, pizza delivery? You quoted me it would be here in 25 minutes, not 27. I want a full refund now. You are ultimately responsible for that traffic jam. 
<laughs> it's like, and this has created an impatience with us because something happens. Like, I don't know, a pandemic. And people are so impatient. They're yelling and screaming at a governor. We must know right now, what do you plan on doing? And I'm just telling you right now, I am so appreciative and so thankful for the governor of Iowa because when people demanded a response from her, she said, I don't know yet. She was slow to speak. She said, I want to make sure we have all the information. And then after the pandemic was there and she issued a response and then all of a sudden we hear about the murder of George Floyd up in, Des Moines, or in Minnesota and people were picketing and they're like, what are you going to do about it? And she says, I don't know. But this type of a situation does not deserve a quick response. It deserves a well-educated, well-thought-out response. She wasn't concerned with right now. She was concerned with what was right and I appreciate responses like that. I appreciate it because that's a biblical response, being swift to hear and slow to speak. You see, the implications of this impatience is that we will just verbally vomit. And it's disgusting because we're saying things that we haven't actually thought about. And I even see this inside Christianity and all of a sudden we're verbally vomiting scripture that has now been misapplied because we haven't thought about the context of how we're using it. And so we misuse and we abuse scripture to try to justify our feelings. Instead of taking a moment and saying, wait, what does God really say about this? What does God really say about this? And we've talked about this, especially when it comes to the issue of racism. Yes, of course we know that all lives matter, but Jesus himself says, hey, as much as you've done to the least of these, he didn't say all of these, he said the least of these, the ones who have been looked down upon and downtrodden and abused and misused, what you've done to them, you've done to me. But we want to come and be silent to the screaming voices that are saying, we're hurting here. And we want to be quick to respond with, well, yeah, black lives matter, but all lives matter. And black lives matter is a terrorist organization, so I'll never say that. We, we're reactionary. We're responding right now. What do I think? What do I feel? Or sometimes it's not even what we think. It's what other people think because we haven't taken the time to actually look at what God thinks and what God says. The Apostle Paul addressed this. And I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4 because I want you to see this one. This is, this is good. This is one of the first like word vo verses that ever like jumped out and stood out at me. And it keeps smacking me upside the head over and over and over again. Ephesians 4, 29. Man, it's so good. Nancy, get ready. We're going all the way down through 32 on this as well. Ephesians 4, 29. It says, let no corrupt word 
proceed out of your mouth. Now, now just stop right there. Let no corrupt word. That word corrupt, when it's actually defined, it means this is a word that has no ability to produce anything of value. <laughs> so, I mean, think about this. An idle word <laughs> can be a corrupt word. If it's not producing anything, why are you even saying it? And he says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for the necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. <laughs> it's like, he's like, don't let the corrupt words. You want to know what a corrupt word is? It's bitter. It has wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking, which means it doesn't produce anything at all. But you want to know what the good for necessary edification words are? Oh, they're kind. They're tender, tender-hearted. And they're forgiving. See, so saying, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the necessary edification. It is necessary to edify, to build up, not tear down. What are these words that we're speaking? You see, these words are not gone. And we see what happens in culture. In our current culture, our words come back to haunt us. You get people like Kevin Hart, who is, he's supposed to be like, what was it, the Oscars, I think, or... Is that what it was? He's like supposed to be hosting that. And all of a sudden they dug up like 10 year old tweets and demanded he apologize for his ignorance. And then the backlash of it. He just says, no, I'm not doing it. And Kevin Hart's not the only one. James Dunn from Guardians of the Galaxy had to do it. Blake Shelton had to do it. Trevor Noah had to do it. I Iggy Azalea had to do it. All of these people, celebrities left and right, they're scouring their Twitter feeds, finding old things that they say that are now offensive, but back then it wasn't. And they're digging it up. And they're using it against them. And now these people are having to apologize for the old things that they said that now used in this current setting, in this current context, is now offensive to people. And it's not just that they're willing to apologize. Because I'll tell you right now, if somebody wants to find one of my sermons from 10 years ago and I said something and they're like, you know, that really hurt me. I'm like, I'm sorry. That's not my intention. I don't mean to hurt people. It's not what I want to do. I want to encourage people. I want to edify people. I want to build them up. I realize sometimes people need build up by getting a come to Jesus moment. And sometimes it needs to be a shock and awe type of a deal. Sometimes they need a Jesus encounter on the road to Damascus that says, hey, why are you killing me? Sometimes they need that. But if that's not what I was saying and why I was saying it, then I have to apologize for it. 
And do I really want to be apologizing for those words that I said? Because it seems to me like there's a better use of my time. Like, I don't know, promoting the kingdom of God instead of apologizing for the things that I've done that have detracted from the kingdom of God. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification? Because when it's good for the necessary edification, what does it do? It imparts grace to those who hear it. (laughs) And if Jesus was full of grace, shouldn't we be wanting people to be showered with grace, to experience grace, to have grace imparted in their lives? Are the words that I tweet necessary? Are they edifying? Are they imparting grace? Are the replies that I'm leaving on a post necessary, edifying, imparting grace? I mean, this is something that we need to be thinking about. Because what honestly is happening is a lot of that that isn't necessary and isn't edifying and isn't imparting grace is coming from a place where we aren't actually seeking the kingdom, but we're seeking attention. And when we have people looking at us, they can't see Christ in us. Because we'll be like, look at me, look at me, look at what I said, look at how divisive I can be. Look, every single political thing that comes up, check my feed and I've got a comment on it. I'm amazing, aren't I? And all of a sudden, thousands of people following you and not a single one following Christ. Are we building up ourselves or are we building his kingdom? Because really, as Christians, any and everything that we do should be with Christ's mission in mind. Everything. We must remember that the one that gets the glory is God. And if we're too focused on glorifying ourselves, that's all people are going to see. That is all people will see. See, the prophet Micah had to go through this because people were getting frustrated. They were, they were wondering, why isn't God seeing us? Why does he not see what it is that we're doing? Micah 6, 7, it's like, will the Lord be pleased with the thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul, all of my tweets, all of my following, every single status update? Will the Lord not be pleased with all that I have done? But Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, O man, He has shown you, O woman, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. That's what he's at. Being noticed by millions will never matter if the people that are directly in front of you don't even feel you noticing them. And what often happens is we're so focused on making this statement 
saying this thing online, making our voice heard that we're not thinking about the people that are right in front of us and how that word cut too sharp and how that phrase did damage to them and it didn't build them up, but it tore them down. And all so God would notice what we did. And sometimes it's not even so God would notice what we did. It's all so man would notice what we did. I need to build my following. That's not the job, folks. Our job is to build Christ's following. We're to point people to him. And if they want to follow us, they should only be following us as much as we're following him. The Apostle Paul told Timothy that. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. I mean, at the, the end of the day, here's the other thing, that what we say online isn't just seen by the person we're saying it to. It's seen by all of their followers, all of their friends, and the public. And you think, oh, well, I set my status to friends only. You know what? It doesn't take much more than a screenshot to share that thing with the world. And that's what happens over and over and over again. That's what happens. This thing becomes noticed by the public. I mean, let me, let me ask you this, okay? Let's say that I hop on Facebook. Let's say that you're all following me on Facebook. And I leave a, a post, a status update. I leave a comment on a friend of mine's wall. I think that's what Facebook calls them still. I leave this thing, and I, here's what I say. This phrase, you ready? So I gave it some more thought, and I've decided I can't stand the new girl. What is your reaction if you see me post that? I've given it some more thought. I can't stand the new girl. I mean, a little bit of shock. You just posted that publicly that you can't stand the new girl. And then a little bit of curiosity. I wonder who the new girl is. Now I wonder why pastor don't like the new girl. And it's not that he just doesn't like it. He can't stand her. Now what if I told you that this friend and I were talking about television shows and he asked me, hey, have you seen that Fox show called The New Girl? What do you think about it? I was like, I don't know. I really haven't given it much thought. And then I post. After giving it some more thought, I've decided I can't stand the new girl. See, now all of a sudden the context is completely different. But unfortunately, in our day and age, we take things out of context. And we become reactionary. We don't listen to what anybody says. Oh, well, the governor says she doesn't have a plan. Serves us right for electing her. I told you it was a bad idea. She doesn't know anything. <laughs> because all they heard was, hey, have you got a plan on how to address this? Not at this moment. See, she doesn't have a plan. Well, actually, she did have a plan. Her plan was to get more information and make a good plan based on that information. You see, we've got to 
We've got to not just watch what we're saying because it can be taken out of context. We've got to watch what we're hearing and what we're reading because we may have taken it out of context. And if we took something out of context, that can lead us to then saying something else that isn't encouraging and isn't edifying and doesn't build up. And we need to remember what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36. I say to you that every idle word men may speak they will give an account for it on the day of judgment. Every idle word. See, this isn't just about what we're posting online because what happens online has crept into how we live offline. It has changed our culture. And we have to acknowledge that change and respond biblically by realizing What I'm about to say, what I'm about to post, what I'm about to proclaim, what I'm about to preach has the potential to be heard by far more people than I'm looking at right now. What I post online may be directed at one person and you know what, it may just be for me. But I may say something that even though it encourages me, it could discourage somebody else. Is this really what God wants me to say right now? That's how you give account for those words. Is you go to the one that's actually going to judge and you say, hey, do you really want me to say this? Because if you want to and people don't like it, I'm going to come back on that day of judgment and I'm going to say, but God, you told me to. We will give account. Our words are powerful. So let's make sure that we're speaking wisely, that we're doing justly, that we're loving mercy, and we're walking humbly with God. Let's pray.